This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 9, Vox. All Borg undergo genetic alterations so that their bodies can communicate with their cybernetic components. As it turns out, yours were just a little more extensive than we thought. New genetic code was actually written and stored inside you, something we were never able to detect 35 years ago. So the anomaly Dr. Soong discovered during the captain's transition into synthetic form was in fact dormant biological Borg adaptations. They never truly let you go. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, to the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. Uh, this week we are talking about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 9 of Vox. Yes, I am one of your hosts, John. I am one of your other hosts, Derek. And rounding out this trio of Borgtastic, we called it way too early, Borgtastic themed Star Trek fans, I'm Chris. Excellent, excellent. Penultimate episode, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Can't forget the really excited. <laughs> Although it seems like Geordie uh, on our intro has taken my medium point, my Omega point. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I shall just defer to Geordie and Data having their conversation for that one. Yeah, it's just my point is watch the beginning of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's just setting it up for you. Setting it up, you can knock the skittles down, John. I guess I will. I will indeed. There you go. Good stuff. I shall um, make a hash of this. In fact, <laughs> a big episode this week. The penultimate episode of, uh, of Star Trek Picard. Uh, also been a big week for Star Wars. We finished our Bad Batch podcast a couple of weeks ago and Star Wars Celebration happened uh, in the UK this week. Um, so we put out a quick podcast, or at least I did, about the announcements that happened at Star Wars Celebration in the UK. Um, but I just was joking with the lads just before we started recording uh, that I went through everything that happened except the announcement of three massive movies <laughs> coming in the Star Wars universe that we're all really excited about. But I think in my head I was going TV podcast industries must cover the TV stuff. Um, but yes, loads of great announcements there uh, over in the other universe. Yes, including uh, the announcement of season three of The Bad Batch, mm-hmm. which we will be covering. So yes, absolutely, uh, we will be uh, coming back to the Star Wars Galaxy mm-hmm. uh, for Bad Batch Season 3, as well as Ahsoka the, in uh, August. That's right. That's right. Third and final season of the Bad Batch. That's so, right. Sad to see you yes. go, but it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. We'll end on a high. Well, and I'm guessing all linking into the Dave Filoni uh, sort of smorgasbord that will culminate uh, with the movie that mm-hmm. was announced as well. Yeah. yeah. But... 
I think enough of the wars. Yeah. Let's move on to the treks. Yeah. I I was going to go for it away from the galaxy far, far away back to the Sol system because we're very close to home in this episode as well, aren't we? That is much cleverer. Hey, sometimes I got it. Yes, exactly. Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Uh, But let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Quickly, before we do, remember you can head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can join and subscribe uh, on any Federation or Borginian supporting <laughs> podcast player of your choice. Of course, you can send your emails to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com for all your theories, thoughts, comments, uh, and uh, anything else on each and every episode of Star Trek The Card. And of course, we will be coming to you at the end of our discussion with the ninth question in our Picard final 10 forward pub quiz, uh, which will be available later. Yeah, all you need to do is just gather together all 10 answers to the pub quiz questions that we're giving out each episode and email them to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com to be in with your chance of getting your hands on some Star Trek Picard goodies. And I think we can confirm think we've got this right we're crossing everything that we will be covering the finale of star trek picard before we go away on holidays touch wood yeah we're we're we've aligned everything we hope we'll be able to give that 10th question uh in the in in next week's episode so yes we have assimilated ourselves into a podcast network Mm -hmm. that will broadcast and assimilate our fellow trekkies and trekkers okay that doesn't sound uh, threatening at all john Just a normal day in the office. Exactly, exactly. Uh, But let us get into the episode details for episode nine, Vox. Derek, fire away. Or dare I say it? Engage. Engage, John. Wow. Almost missed it there. Uh, yes, the show, of course, is created by Akiva Goldsman, Michael Shabon, Christian Bayer, and Alex Kurtzman. This episode was written by Sean Tressa and Kylie Rossiter. Uh, Sean's also a co-writer on two episodes of this season, and Kylie has been a staff writer and, short- and story editor since the start of season two of Picard, but this is her first co-writer credit. Congrats. Yeah, good Always stuff. good to get your name on the board. Yeah, absolutely. And, and considering, you know, this show is all about family, it's great this whole team have been working together uh, since Wait, the start it's, of season it's essentially two. Fast and the Furious. Much better than that, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Fast and the Furious in space. Yes. Pretty sure they did that too already. I think they it's tried warp it. fast, warp furious there in space. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. I like it. And speaking of which, the executive producer on the series, Terry Metalis, has taken on directing duties for this episode. So he has directed episode nine and will direct episode 10, the finale as well. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with their synopsis for Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 9, Volks? Sure. Deanna Troy realises as she helps him navigate his thoughts that Jack Crusher is connected to the Borg, the source of all the voices he hears. Reporting to Picard what she has discovered, Picard tries to contain Jack to the USS Titan, given the danger he represents to Starfleet and the Federation but Jack takes control of the security detail assigned to him and takes off to deal with the Borg Queen, who captures him to fulfil his destiny, as his resistance is futile and he is assimilated by the Borg Queen. With Jack gone, Picard's only option is to warn Starfleet as they amass in the Sol system to begin the Frontier Day celebrations. As the Titan races to Starfleet, orbiting above Earth, 
Data, Geordie and Beverly finally discover why the rogue changelings stole Picard's corpse. They were working with the Borg. The changelings copied Picard's Borg-altered DNA and added it to the transporter's architecture to implant the alterations in all users and to begin assimilation to those whose parietal lobes are still developing. Picard informs Admiral Shelby, leading the Frontier Day's anniversary aboard the new USS Enterprise F of these developments, but it is too late. The Borg Queen triggers Jack Crusher, who transmits the Queen's signal to the entire fleet, beginning the assimilation of everyone under 25, including Geordie's daughters, though Seven of Nine remains immune to the assimilation signal. The Borg begin to take control of Starfleet ships. On board the Titan, the assimilated Borg start to kill the unassimilated at the orders of the Borg Queen. As the wrinkles make their way to the lower decks to escape aboard a shuttle, Captain Shaw sacrifices himself to defend the Titan from the Borg and hands over command to Seven, who remains behind with Raffi. Geordie leads the crew via shuttlecraft to the Starfleet Museum, where he reveals that he secretly rebuilt the Enterprise D after its crash landing and is now the only operable starship without Borg-designed swarm enhancements applied to the fleet by Starfleet. The Enterprise's old crew bring the Enterprise-D back into service, and with minimal firepower and shields, head back to Earth to save the Federation from the Borg. Woo! Go Enterprise-D! Well, it's not all of it, but it's close enough. They, they did, due to the Prime Directive, manage to fish out part of it. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we will be talking about uh, the Enterprise D later on. That's in my our big points, point. But it is a beautiful ship. It's great to see it uh, in fully rendered 4K 3D uh, modeling uh, for this episode. I don't know what those words mean. I just know it looks gorgeous. Yeah, definitely. But fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, we will get into our. Uh, moments of the show but let us kick off with our small moment about the episode make it so number one chris engage excellent stuff okay i'm gonna take a very small one just a nice little kind of line mm-hmm. um from the, the the piece which was uh again talking about wesley crusher one of the characters i still connect with a lot and we got to see last season mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. uh, beverly who kind of basically was talking about how she let wesley fly and he yet still disappeared. He left her, and she held Jack so close, but he still is leaving her, and neither of them are safe. And it's an interesting, because she's had two sons now, mm-hmm. and both sons theoretically have had problems, and both sons have left the proverbial starship-based nest, Yeah, uh, but also have come under problems. Like, for example, pretty sure she thinks Wesley is just off away being a traveler yeah and yeah. she knows she knows she'll never see him again mm-hmm. and now jack is a borg and off away with the thing like she's lost both of her sons mm-hmm. yeah. uh, due to holding letting one fly and letting one uh holding one too close yeah. it's just a nice it was just poignant for me just in terms of that kind of dichotomy of her the the the, the crushers, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, and for her, you know, taking the blame for what's happened to Jack because she's holding him too close to notice that there's anything wrong with him is, is yeah. kind of what she's saying there. You know, I think we've seen Picard uh, take a lot of the blame for what's happening here as well. But Beverly's a very intelligent doctor who's 
quite easy able to solve some of these problems when she puts her mind to it. But here she's saying with Jack, she never even thought that there could be a problem because she's yeah. holding him too close. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a really good moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even with him leaving the the, the Titan the way he does, you know, he using his telepathy, his control of others, you know, he's holding her back as mm-hmm. she tries to prevent him from going. So, I mean, it's it's a, a fairly kind of brutal way to sort of manhandle your mother in Absolutely. a sense you know so uh, i thought that was really significant um yeah. you know and it sort of brings about this lament of beverly uh, as she confides with with uh, jean-luc mm-hmm. Absolutely. i just also enjoyed the the wesley being a pilot on the enterprise it's just a nice nod back to you yeah. and she let him fly she let him onto the bridge deck mm-hmm. and he, he he flew for the the enterprise d yeah. and it still cost him his well, cost him his remainder of his life in a good way that he became the traveler first. He's, he's, he's star- off in space now. Yes, yes, yes. But, uh, he's star trekking across the universe, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, so that's my point. That's my little small kind of moment. Excellent, good one, Chris. Good one, like that. Thank you. Excellent, Derek. What about yourself? I have another. I have a, another Crusher moment. Uh, Jack Crusher this time. Um, I just really enjoyed the moment when Picard is revealing. Um, what's happened how uh how jack has gotten to this position how uh how jean-luc is involved um and i love jack analyzing himself as to why uh what could have been wrong with him in the past you know that he's saying something that a lot of us may say you know where i understood that there were problems with the world i understood that not everybody thinks like me you know there's wars out there there's things that are broken there's systems that are broken um, and then at the realization that he potentially has Borg inside of him, he's going, who would have thought a little cybernetic authoritarianism was the answer that I was looking for? I really like that moment because it's a, it's a real throw in the face to Picard and also challenging the ideals that he has where he's trying to work out where he ends and the Borg piece of him begins is the reason why he thinks everything's broken. And if only people could see the world the same way as him, everything would be fine. Is that coming from? the Borg and the implants that he has inside of himself or is that really part of his personality it's a great moment of questioning himself uh, and just delivered in a, in a wonderful line really enjoyed that yeah I thought it was really good that line actually because mm. it kind of chimed to some extent with Jack's view of you know the world mm-hmm. the galaxy the universe you know we and he, he mentions it about you know fairness and equity mm-hmm. we you know, we saw it at the start where he's trying to get medical supplies, uh, you know, past a blockade and so on. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when the Borg have always kind of, you know, for very different reasons is that they've always had that superiority complex because in the Borg collective, there is inner peace mm-hmm. and contentment and equality and fairness, uh, primarily and um, yeah. they there's no war there's no factions it, it's um you know everyone is content within a certain point of view you right. know um <laughs> so i kind of like that it, it almost like chimed with those views that jack holds exactly. but in a different way for sure and yeah. um, because whilst the borg didn't have internal wars or civil wars you know they would go to war at with any other species at the mm-hmm. drop of a hat in order to assimilate them. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, they, they would always kind of broach that assimilation is good because you'll find peace. Yeah. You, it will be 
equitable. You'll be part of the yeah. collective. If we just take away your free will exactly. and your connection to other people, then you can join the collective and everything will be fine. Um, but yeah, that's a really good point as well, though, John, that it does chime with what we heard from right at the beginning with Jack, that he is willing to break any law that's in his way to do what he believes is morally correct and morally right. Um, and if only other people believe the way he did, uh, they would... Uh, all believe that what he's doing is right so uh, so that that's quite an interesting little tie up of that arc of jack we were hoping last episode we were kind of saying this episode better tell us more about jack and who he is and what he's all about it definitely delivered on that for me uh, right from the opening of what was behind the door all the way through the episode to discover who jack is uh, going into this final episode and uh, where we see whether he'll actually uh, use who he is to as in some way to defeat the Borg. But uh, but this moment here kind of solidified it for me. I really like that the lines that are here. Good stuff. I think uh, John, you you have your uh, line from the episode. Your small moment from the episode. Yes, uh, I've got um, kind of two Deanna Troy ones actually. Um, so I really like her lightness that she brings to. Um, you know, these moments, uh, I, it just had me chuckling as Picard, Shaw, Seven of Nine are escaping from the bridge of the Titan after they've been assimilated mm-hmm. and, and it opens up and all the others, you know, Riker, Deanna, Worf, Geordie are all there pointing their phases at, at them. And, uh, Deanna just says, um, I've never been so happy to see so many wrinkles. Um, <laughs> because I, I just it was really, nice line because yeah. it's true there's a lot of wrinkles there absolutely um and it i just i just thought it was fun i i liked it i think the other the, the other side of that though is that i just love um as you all know i love diana troy um but just how serious she was after helping unlock the secrets of jack's brain mm-hmm. to picard and to beverly where they were seeing it as parents and she says there are protocols um yep. you know as of this moment your son is dangerous and and it, she's really firm about it mm-hmm. she's like you can't just ignore this yeah. so i just love that kind of contrast of of her here mm-hmm. uh in in this episode so yeah so that's my point um I, I think the other little connected bit here is i do like it when jack crusher is kind of saying to to picard you know she was in my brain what she did there you know I, i'm not gonna let another betazoid come anywhere near me you know she's yeah. starfleet that's not right <laughs> so you know she doesn't really sort of horrendous but simply because she wouldn't tell him yeah absolutely and also when you're not being told that someone's been inside your head to see all the secrets that's inside your head you have no idea what they're uh what they've really seen i suppose so, well yeah uh, which is his his moral point there is that uh that oh, absolutely. She's, she's able to read everything inside yeah. your mind surely there's a problem with that right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, we like that too but uh yeah that's my point um i think on to our medium moment implement the omega directive immediately good stuff derek what's your medium moment I want to talk about the Borg. Uh, massive reveal, obviously, at the beginning of the episode here that the uh, the Borg is what the connection is for Jack. This is what's been going on his entire life um, that they've been calling out to him. But I had to look into this um, because the Borg formed such a central part of season two of Picard. They were they are the, the greatest foe of the next generation. So you can understand why you would tie in 
the cast of the next generation with the Borg. You totally, it's it's who you pick up. It's who you pick on, right? Yeah. Uh, when you're going to do it, but we ended season two with, um, and I hope everybody's watched season two, or if you're if you haven't watched it, you're not concerned about being spoiled about how how it ends. But it ends with Doctor Gerardi beco- becoming the Borg Queen and traveling forward in time um, with her Borg collective. So I had to look into it as to, hold on a second, has that replaced the Borg collective that we have? So how how can they be the antagonists in this season if in last season we had a compromise between them and the Borg were going to be working with um, Picard and working with Starfleet? Uh, that was how it kind of ended, right? Yeah. Yep. I remember. That's what we thought. And if you remember back to our podcast about it, we were all wondering what's the impact here would that replace the borg would all the adventures and moments that we had within all of star trek with the borg would they all be replaced by Girati going back uh, with this collective well turns out even back at the time um it's it was said after the episode had come out people were asking this question constantly and effectively because of the time travel element here with Girati going back and forming part of the borg that they have come back as their own collective, as a separate group, and they are focused on exactly the mission that they said they were going to, but they are not the main Borg. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting and really good to kind of make sure it was clear in our heads because, in other words, now I'm not expecting next week to have Dr. Girardi turn around when the camera pans to the front of the Borg Queen's face. We see Dr. Girardi. Well, exactly. Not expecting that now because if you think back on the season, it was actually said quite clearly. And also a moment from earlier on this season uh, in episode four, where Shaw has his speech to Picard about Wolf 359, the attack of the Borg at the end of that speech. And we all missed it. Uh, I know we did because we didn't even talk about it, but here's the last bit of his speech. Do you know where your old man was on that day? He was on that Borg cube, setting the world on fire! Forget about all that weird shit of the Stargazer. The real Borg are still out there, and they have a name for you. Locutus of Borg. The only Borg so deadly, they gave him a goddamn name. All right, that's enough. No. So, quite clearly, Shaw calls out that the thing that happened, the weirdness that happened on the Stargazer in the past with Picard is completely separate to the Borg we see in this universe. So uh, that's really good. I, I, like the, I like that we have that clarification. We uh, we had questioned, as I said last season, whether uh, all the adventures that we had with the Borg hadn't happened. Um, and I think the quote at the time from Terry Mattelis about this was that they came back and avoided history. Uh, this group stayed out of the way of history. Um, so that a completely different work group. Yeah, no, that that that's really good uh, kind of clarification because because we didn't see the face of that Borg Queen, even though that Borg Queen uh, in front of Jack didn't look quite as steampunky as mm. uh, the as Borgatti, then <laughs> um, I was kind of thinking, oh, is it going to be Borgatti? Mm. You know, is it going to be Doctor Jurassi uh, and in her Borg form? You know, and so I'm glad it won't be. But yeah. she might also decide to sort of join history. Mm-hmm. Uh, because part of that whole thing at the end of season two was that they would watch 
this fissure that was happening um and you know almost be like a lighthouse for danger yeah, yeah. so watches on the wall yeah, exactly who knows yeah so they may come back we may see Borgatti coming back in the next episode but they are completely separate to the to the other board but one other thing we should mention as well we did mention this when we were doing our last of us podcast uh that Annie Wershing the actress who played uh the board queen did unfortunately pass away earlier on this year she passed away in January of this year so um so we know she wasn't returning to Picard for uh for this role um in this episode it's actually Alice Krieg uh who voices the board queen and she's the one that had originally voiced the board queen in Star Trek First Contact so uh so they got her back in here to do the voice of the board queen so i can kind of understand why we didn't see her face i'm not sure whether that was just for dramatic tension or it was just yeah as out of respect of of the actress uh, anna wershing who'd, who'd played the role uh many times in the past so uh, or maybe it'll be a massive reveal next week that it's somebody else that we might know within the universe who's now the the board queen so yeah uh, who yeah. knows yeah. we don't know until we see the finale. Oh my God, can you imagine it's gonna be do you imagine it's the third board queen then actually it would be a well sorry it would be a second Borg Queen yeah. that we we are aware of, so this would be an actual third Borg yeah. Queen. Can you imagine? And it's going to end up being someone like who we know from the Next Generation cast Maybe. or something a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, be interesting, weird. won't it? Because it it was you know as Jack approached the Borg ship, I actually thought it looked more like a series of. Almost like a, a city floating mm. in the nebula. Didn't it? Yeah. It, it didn't look like just a single yeah. cube. Because uh, we saw like the, the cube in the door. Mm-hmm. And then this looked like almost like a floating city because you looked like it had other cubes attached. Yeah, and exactly. I was like, oh. And it was in the, literally the nebula. And I'm like... Mm. Wasn't that hard to find? <laughs> like, anyway, it, int- interestingly, yeah, it is the top of the board cube, and I watched it again. It's it's kind of the bottom of the board cube is kind of covered by that cloud. I will say that uh, that uh, Terry Metalis has said that's not a nebula. You'll find out next week what that place uh, they're in is, but it's not a nebula. So the Borg are farting. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> they are releasing a lot of gas. <laughs> But there you go, there you go. That was uh, that was my point uh, for uh, for this this moment. Is something I ne- I needed clarification on. Went out and had a look, and I know we got a bunch of feedback uh, from a number of uh, of fellow uh, Trekkies and Trekkers who had watched season two and were all questioning uh, where is uh, Jurati and and why uh, are these Borg here now villainous uh, in this season? Why are they trying to take over Starfleet? It could absolutely be that Jurati turns around at the end of next episode and there's a whole exposition monologue from her as to why she's turned back to being the old borg um in next episode that could be it but as of right now at least we have clarification on uh, on what's happened and what's different between those two groups of borg yeah uh, what about yourself john what's your omega directive your medium moment for the episode uh, mine's the whole um you know iromotic syndrome the genetic al- alterations this mm-hmm. plan of the borg effectively the the puppet masters of the changelings here and mm. um, i know there could be a lot of thoughts about how the members of the titan got uh enlightened very very quickly um uh, all seemingly knowing bits of it you know in terms of the exposition of what happens but you know for me i kind of loved it it's been fed throughout the course of the the, the season mm-hmm. Um, and it plays into classic, uh, Star Trek Next Generation episodes. So 
I didn't see anything particularly unusual about it. Thought it was thought on it quite fondly in terms of how the episodes happened, you know, back in the nineties. And everybody fills in a little piece of the jigsaw. Exactly. There are are moments where there are pieces um sort of of the jigsaw. But I mean it does start early in the episode Mm -hmm. with Beverly, you know, talking about this organic technology um to to Jean Luc Picard soon after Troy uh, comes to inform them Mm -hmm. that Jack has been hearing the Borg effectively has these connections and um that it's been passed through uh Jean-Luc as Lacusus uh to Jack and uh, I I kind of I like that you know that there's that conversation where effectively the iromatic syndrome uh was a misdiagnosis effectively mm-hmm. uh, but that this genetic code used and implanted into Picard's own genetic sequence um, is effectively what killed him. Yeah. Uh, it needed that generational skip for it to become uh, activated mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in a safer way, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that it wasn't the aromatic syndrome that kills Picard. It's, it's this altering of his, his DNA. Um, and it was manifesting itself, uh, you know, at the, in the frontal cortex of the brain. So I kind of I liked how all this, uh, progressed through the episode. Um, and, you know, as, as we, we see then that this is the, the plan of the Borg through, uh, the changelings. That's why Vadic, um, you know, wanted and stole the body of Jean-Luc from the Daystrom station, um, so that they could extract this modified DNA in order to weaponize that genetic code. Mm-hmm. Um, through, we find later the, um, the the transporter system and it's interesting because the last episode with vadic in she is very adamant that she won't use the transporter mm-hmm. they come by shuttle yeah um and we were thinking that was because it would show the changeling yeah they would kind of you know deform yeah. into the blob but it is more than likely is because they've been implanting this um, corrupted DNA, this mm-hmm. altered DNA sequence into the the sequence architecture of the the transporter system, which retains you know primary DNA s- signals or coding, so that it can be a faster uh, transporting system, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then I was starting to think, is that why Rolaren wouldn't uh, come aboard on uh, via transporter? That she knew this information because, yeah. and then that makes more sense because when I first watched it, I was like going, "Well, why is Worf suddenly like chirping up with the explanations?" Um, I just kind of wasn't really thinking, mm. and then of course because he's got the the array of intelligence um and data exactly. that Rolaren and themselves had been collecting mm-hmm. so yeah they probably knew about this because even Worf and Raffi 
you know, that, although there was something wrong with the transport, yes. at least they didn't know the exact details. This was, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of teased out through Beverly, Geordie, and Data. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like the whole explanation. I wish we had seen a bit of the changelings in this episode, mm-hmm. even if it was them falling foul of the Borg, almost like a, a double cross. Oh, okay. Um, in, in the sense that, you know, because some of them would have used transporters mm-hmm. and this coding seemed to suggest that because it was being passed through the transporter that anyone that used it so this uh, this was how i was reading that mm-hmm. any species within the federation that was using starfleet um transporters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i guess federation transporters um back on earth mm-hmm. and at other locations would have this replicated in a sense or inserted into their alteration. I mean, they effectively are saying that they're already assimilated. Yes. Uh, and the, the main thing then to weaponize this DNA, uh, this modified DNA coding is because Jack's importance is as a transmitter mm-hmm. of this signal generated in the nebula, but not a nebula, um, by by the Borg Queen. Yeah. So um, I kind of like the explanation, even though it all kind of dropped very quickly and in this episode. Well, I liked how yeah. it played out. Um, I thought it was real sort of, you know, sinister evil. And it, it, you could see why the changelings would do this. And, yep. you know, in terms of revenge for what happened in yep. the Dominion War, yeah. uh, I, I thought it had like that gravitas, you know, and involving the Borg, as you say, being the next generation's most lethal adversary. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I just thought it was really, really good. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting is that some of the theories that we'd heard throughout the season from uh, from our wonderful listeners, uh, as well as some of the, some of those theories about the Dominion creating a virus that could spread through all of the Federation to take them down like they did. It's kind of that. There's a little yeah. touch of it, you know. Uh, that is a. It is almost like they've created a virus from yeah. Locutus to put it to put it in there. Um, but also. The reason why it all sits quite well in this episode is the key that none of the rest of the crew had had to work out their theories. The key they, that none of them had was that DNA from Picard. So once that's dropped in to them all, when they work out that this is what uh, what they're using, that allows them to kind of put all of their theories together. Yeah. And as you say, it works really well as a, as a next generation moment where every member of the, of the crew that all have their own specialties are adding to the story, adding to the context of what's happening to to work out what the real plan of the Borg is here. So I, I loved how it was delivered because it's yeah. something that would have been done uh, very often in the past. Well, it's like the techniques to change the genetic code of mosquitoes so that you don't necessarily have to apply insecticides, mm. but that they won't be able to reproduce effectively. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess... You know, it, it's the weaponizing of DNA in mm-hmm. that way towards the Federation. So I kind of like that. Um, as I say, I want to see some of our blobby friends, to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, whether it was them, you know, feeling betrayed because they were being assimilated as well, uh, or even seeing the reaction of it taking place. I mean, I know uh, Vadic is... Uh, 
is dead, but there must still be a whole rake of changelings throughout the Starfleet. Yes, absolutely. And remember, they're all in positions of power. They may not be aboard the ships that were just assimilated just there, you know, so we do have a final episode. I presume we're going to have a couple of reveals of uh, of a couple of members um, of senior leadership uh, that we don't know who are uh, who are changelings. So, um, so we do still have that in the next episode, but this episode was all about the Borg reveal. Yeah, And again, most of the Borg all have to be under 25. Yeah, that's true. Like, so the, the changelings are the more senior. They're the ones that have taken the places of the admirals, the caprons, etc. Yeah. And the, the, the worker bees, the drones are mm-hmm. all the 25 year old and younger people who've gone through a transporter. Yeah. And have been activated. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now we know why they gave the age of 23 to Jack Crusher, even though the actor is significantly older. Because he has yes. to be under 25, right? Yes. I wonder, did they know about that story point when they cast him? <laughs> you are 24 and six months. <laughs> exactly. Well, like, yeah. If they had a call to <laughs> Your birthday like, is in three months' time. That will cover us for the storyline, yes. right? <laughs> Although, of course, we're talking... I, I kind of got the impression from Beverly that that related to human development, not, you know, whereas the development of changelings or Vulcans or other species... And their biology, it may be different, yeah. slightly different. Yeah, but yeah. I don't expect them to get get into that. But that's yeah. what I assumed: is it, it might not be equal across all the different species. It may not. It may not. It's about the frontal lobe and when it develops. Right. That was the. Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. 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 If they I, even have a frontal I, lobe, I unfortunately don't have uh, the the anatomy book for uh, for the Vulcans or for any of the other species. No, outside me of, neither. Outside of humans, and I'll just have to take uh, Beverly Crusher's. Um, uh, insight uh, for that but yes. i did love how uh how seven worked it out as well when they're in the turbo lift as as the change is happening as everybody's being assimilated and uh seven looks around her and goes i'm guessing by the gray hair this only affects younger people as <laughs> she sees everybody around her is significantly older yeah. than the ones that turned uh great moment from from seven um but yeah that uh, this this is this moment when we have all of the next generation cast uh working together to uh to work it out or the next generation crew sorry not cast crew uh, working, working it all out uh, together. Uh, it was really good. Yeah, it. absolutely. How about yourself, Chris? What's your medium moment for the episode? My, my, mine's a bit, a bit of a smaller one. It, it, it is the Frontier Day. Mm-hmm. It is fireworks in space. Yes. <laughs> Which I was like, does that work? Sure, it is. You. Are, this is sci-fi. I will suspend belief. Uh-huh. I'm okay with it. Yeah, let's go with it. Starships. I can understand they are full of oxygen. Mm-hmm. So when they explode, there is some explosion and some flames and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, get it. Again, not fully sciencey, but fine. Mm-hmm. But the fireworks. I was like. Hmm. Is that how that works? Um, but they look that way in space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was literally, and they had the the kind of literally as you would expect a firework kind of a bang, and then like the trails. Yeah. I was like, it's like cool. Is it, is it Earth's gravity is pulling them down in that way because they're close yeah. enough in Earth <laughs> system? Is that what it is? <laughs> it was just such a strange one. But- yeah. It was a little. I just brushed it aside to think yeah. maybe it's nano drones being programmed to mm-hmm. look like fireworks. Exactly. And then like, so yeah. the light goes out and then they all kind of hive back to the central point. Yeah. So it's also recycling. Yeah. Or maybe they're holographic. Yeah. Um, or holographic. We have we have seen them before in another movie that we've covered on this here podcast. Can you guys remember when we saw fireworks in a movie that we covered in this podcast? Oh god. 
in yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. We saw fireworks at the end of, is, uh, of that movie. Yes, I remember now. Yeah. Yes, yeah, from the Ravagers. The Ravagers. That was it. Yeah. Yes. I, I, yes. I, I'm trying to remember things about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, but that's the last time we saw fireworks in space. So there is a precedent for it. So I'm not going to punish uh, Picard too much for having it there. And they could easily just go, "They were holographic." Um, just for the look, everybody likes fireworks, so we still get them in space. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was cool again mm-hmm. seeing Frontier Day in what we had uh, assumed the way it was going to be, the way it was, um, the way it was shown. I, I actually the pomp and circumstance that they have built up about Frontier Day mm-hmm. being what it was was exactly how I thought it was going to be, and that that's what it was. It was like a, a, a almost like a military parade, mm, yeah, if you will. Um, and again, kind of having seen some of those before, you're like, yeah, okay, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, the, the massive reveal, of course, of why they're getting all of the ships together because now they can effectively push a button and it turns into mega fleet. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> go, know. go, mega fleet. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, of course, another, another major character coming back here from, uh, from the next generation. Um, now Admiral Shelby. Uh, yes. Really cool to see, uh, this character back, uh, in here. Um, if you don't remember, cause it's been a very long time, of course, um, Shelby was supposed to be Riker's replacement on the next generation crew when oh, Riker was, yeah, you. when Riker was going to be going to go off. Uh, it happened. Unfortunately for Riker, at the same time as uh, Picard being taken off uh, to be Locutus of Borg, um, so that is that was her appearance in the show. Was the two episodes um, episodes around Locutus of Borg? So her being on board as a member of the crew, potentially the new number one, fighting against Riker who wanted to save his captain and best friend, was a really antagonistic relationship. She was excellent in that role, and now we're seeing her in charge as an admiral of Starfleet, a working admiral, not like Picard, retired admiral, a working admiral effectively bringing a Borg-like technology into uh, into Starfleet, allowing them to join all their ships together, just like a Borg collective. So that's what, uh, that's what Picard's comment is. A look at her, uh, Shelby there, of all people, bringing such Borg-like technology into, this, into Starfleet. So I uh, loved those little moments. That's, yeah. that, that, that's a nice one. Again, if you're... You're giving an end to the next generation, people who have been following this up to for years, decades. Yeah. People have been following these characters. So bringing a very small nostalgia Easter egg for some of the real Trekkies is beautiful. Absolutely. Because again, it's still played as just an, a pomp, mm-hmm. a pompous admiral. Yeah. Um, just for those who don't know, like myself. Mm-hmm. I will honestly say, yep, didn't know, didn't cop that at all. But again, for you guys, you're like, yeah, that's cool. I'm really happy with that. <laughs> and it's interesting because yeah. I thought she was going to become a changeling. So as, that's what I yeah. thought. Mm. When she was like, uh, I was just like, I was like expecting the kind of the wibbly wobbly jelly type to splatter yeah, down right. and that type of thing. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, but unfortunately, she gets a much worse. Um, she gets shot twice. Yeah, yeah, she gets shot twice by her own crew, effectively, who've been uh, who've been um, assimilated members of the collective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is really good. The minute I saw Admiral Shelby back here, I recognised uh, the actress straight away. Elizabeth Denny uh, plays the role. Um, you you guys might recognise her. You guys are old enough. Uh, she is the uh, the daughter of Brian Dennehy. 
Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Big actor uh, back yeah. in the 80s uh, and 90s. So, uh, so yeah, the minute I saw it, I could recognize exactly what it was. And I was kind of going, oh, wow, they brought a real Easter egg here from, uh, from the, the, the big Borg episodes of Next Generation. Uh, so very cool to see her, her on board here and unfortunate demise, uh, at the hands of her own crew. But, uh, but it was, I thought it was really good. It's not even an Easter egg. We've said before that when they bring back characters uh, from the past, they're giving some meat to their reasons for being here. And once again, did, did that with uh, with Shelby here for me. Yeah, no, it was great to see her. Um, it was really cool to have her back um, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, it was to Picard's, you know, how ironic that she would introduce a Borg-like mm-hmm. uh, system into Starfleet. Uh, that's when I thought, oh, we're going to see... That she's the that changeling. she's a changeling, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but then she doesn't, um, yeah. and yeah, gets gets uh, killed instead by her own assimilated crew. So <laughs> yeah, alas, Admiral Shelby, will she or won't she be uh, fired off into outer space under like? In, alas, you like, will be missed. Yes, like in <laughs> naval traditional or star yeah. fleet tradition. Well, since the rest of her crew are now Borg, um, it's unlikely they're going to be no. uh, standing on ceremony for her. I would, her passing, I would think not. But shall we get into our big moments uh, for the episode? Mm-hmm. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. So, Derek, uh, what's your big moment? We kind of talk a little bit about this. This episode is all about the Borg and all about who Jack is. You know, I've mentioned that in probably each of my points as well. So uh, already, but my big moment from the episode is uh, Jack going off to face his face um, at the end. Uh, at the end here, you know, the, the the idea that he was going to be trapped there on the Titan after learning the secret about what happened, who he is, what's inside him. Um, he uses all of the powers that we've seen him use all season. This yeah. uh, con- controlling the <laughs> yeah. um, the other. Uh, security officers to get him out of, away from Picard. He blocks off Beverly, gets himself on a ship, and then uses that connection to the voice that he's been hearing calling him home. Uh, he uses that connection to find uh, where the Borg are um, and goes through that transwarp conduit to yeah, I think so, yeah. lead, lead to the Borg. Um, and then we see that wonderful moment I always love when uh, when members of Starfleet are walking around inside a Borg cube uh, always love those moments so it's it's always really creepy and scary uh, as a character is walking through you don't know whether you're going to see Borg drones coming out uh, you don't know what's going to happen aboard but he's here to see the queen and she's called him forth so uh, we don't see any anybody coming to attack him uh, or worrying about him being on board but he confronts her and what we heard earlier on from Jack is he wanted to show who he truly was by killing her. Um, he said he would get into her confidences and as soon as she drops her guard, he'll take her out. Yeah. But we see him pointing the weapon at the Borg Queen and unable to shoot. He drops yeah. the weapon and screams that effectively he can't he can't do anything about this. Yeah. He's not willing to to uh to take her out. And effectively hands himself over to be assimilated. There's no surprise or reaction as the tendrils come in and and jab into the back of Jack to make him assimilated, and as you said, John, that then translates and transfers this message from the Borg to the entire fleet. He is now the transmitter from from the Borg to activate all of these uh, these troops now that they've 
been assimilated. Well, that's it. A bit like um, a massive speaker at mm-hmm. a massive music event. Jack gets plugged in yes. to transmit effectively yeah. uh, here. Uh, and probably the Borg Queen does whack it up to 11 for I good measure. So. I think so. Uh, just to make sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I, I guess I was expecting more of a fight in that moment. Mm. But it... Yeah. It's understandable because he's in her domain, effectively. There is a genetic code there already mm-hmm. active uh, within. And, you know, whatever she is transmitting, it's like from season two with um, with uh, Dr. Jurassic mm-hmm. slowly transforming into uh, the, the new Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. The... the the connections that they have um with one another is hugely intense hugely powerful yeah. so um you know I, I i did really like it i thought you know anyone's eyes rolling black whether it's in um you know star trek with the bull queen or aboard the um assimilated Starfleet, mm-hmm. or whether it's the supernatural demons, mm-hmm. uh, are always good to see on the show Supernatural. Yes, on yeah. the on the show Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or yeah. just supernatural demons. <laughs> just supernatural yeah, demons. exactly. You know, just at the you're walking down the street yep. and you see someone's eyes roll black. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool. That was I, cool. I, I'm running now. I'm running. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so I, I really like this. I, I think the other mm-hmm. side of it is, you know, I'd love to have known what ran through his his head in that moment because I I really enjoyed. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty harsh when Picard says, you know, that Starfleet protocols dictate that, you know, we must consider the interests of everyone else, uh, not mm-hmm. effectively not, not you, you which actually is also very Borg-like. Mm. Um, and yeah. he goes, what about the protocols of a father or oh, when yeah. you never issued those? I really liked his retort. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, he's going off thinking he's the bee's knees. And that he'll be able to kind of sort of take this entity of the Borg Queen on mm. um, and suddenly finds, you know, the queen of the the nest will will always deal with the workers. Because I actually was thinking, because of the, the genetic coding, I was like, oh, is this like a king? You know, it, it, I thought it was like a specialness about it mm. or, or more so for him so that he would almost be kind of like the right hand man of the Borg Queen well yeah so it's sort of elevated above um, in a sense the worker Borg absolutely exactly like Lacusus was yeah exactly uh... that clip that I played from Shaw earlier on also calls that out he's the only Borg that got their own name within the collective still remained a member of the collective we've had Hugh, who chose his own name after he broke away from the Collective, but Lucutus was the only one given it because of its importance to the Collective. And now, as Jack arrives, we hear the Borg Queen saying, here are some of the names that I thought up to give you, you know, that you could be the regeneration of us, you could be the rebirth of the Borg. Um, These are some of the names, but no, you're not Lucutus, you are Vox, you are the voice of the Borg now. So, um, so yeah, so he has given his own name yeah. because of his importance. They could not have so, carried out this plan and taken over Starfleet and activated all of these uh, members that have used the transporters without the transmitter that is Vox, that is uh, this member yeah. of the work now. So, so we, 
almost on a, a similar level to Lucius. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But effectively a glorified speaker. Well, yeah. Yes. I mean, that, in a good that, way, you know, in like a good way. the voice can, I, I, uh, can connect to the million. The, it's the the transmitter for the master stroke yeah. plan, the final Deus Ex Machina, if you will. Is of. it Gabriel who is the voice of God? It's the yeah. it's the Metatron. Uh, the Metatron. Ah. That's it. That's <laughs> as it. as we all learned in the, the, the Kevin Smith movie yes. uh, <laughs> from Transformers. <laughs> That's Megatron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> no, the, the Kevin Smith movie, um, which called it out, yes, it uh, which was Dogma, and they called out in that once it's in a movie, then you'll know it forever. And so, yeah. uh, yes, but effectively, the the point of it is, the transmitter is massively important. The voice of the Borg is massively important because if there was no voice, if you if there was nobody transmitting it, nobody else could yeah. hear it, right? So it would just be the Queen uh, waiting to encounter beings to bring them aboard and uh, and assimilate them. So without this piece of the puzzle. That are dropping into place here, and um, they couldn't have carried out this massive plan. So, um, so yeah, that's of course why the last seven episodes or eight episodes of the show were people trying to chase down Jack to bring uh, bring him to Borg, right? To the Borg, yeah. So, yeah, but that was my big moment. I know there's a couple other big moments from the episode, of course, to talk about. Uh, who wants to go next? Who wants to talk about their big moment next? Chris, do you want to take yours? Sure, I'll I'll take mine, um, and I, I I want to send some time for discussion at the end in terms of everything around this episode. Mm-hmm. So my, mine is the the death of Shaw and the death of Legacy. Mm-hmm. Massive, massive moments. Before we get into the death of Shaw, mm-hmm. fans have, and we've talked about it before in our other podcasts. Fans have been clamoring and kind of campaigning for yeah. the next season of or the next series within the Star Trek universe being something around Legacy, around Shaw and Seven and these new characters who have been introduced mm-hmm. aboard the Titan. Um the Titans of Star Trek, if you will. <laughs> um I don't think like they I don't think this is ever going to happen. I think like they knew this and they're very happy with kind of stringing people forward, not stringing them along, but very much playing into the social media requests going, yeah, they, cause all the stars have gone, yes, if they'd ask me, I'll come back. Mm-hmm. Like that's how they, and that's very true. Absolutely. They, they're not going to so say I die in episode eight. That's not happening. <laughs> that would kind of spoil the show, wouldn't it? Yeah, they could, you know, they could. Um, more, I just, I, I think it's an interesting take in that typically I've yet to see Star Trek kill off many, 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 many characters. Okay. Like, if you think about going through, I was trying to run through in my head, like, you've got Tasha, Yar, mm-hmm. you've got, like, Picard. characters who are significant in seasons. Yeah. They haven't, like, okay, we, yeah. we, they, like, they have, they haven't, like, I want to say main characters, because mm. obviously within Next Generation, our main characters are usually, but like, like, Jurati wasn't killed. Soji mm-hmm. wasn't killed. Even Rios wasn't killed. Mm-hmm. Like, they've taken them off the board. Yeah. But like, to kill Shaw outright when, like, they they have kind of like they, they've given seven the control and things like that, but there's very few within the Star Trek universe. They really kind of go, "Hey, you've grown attached to this character," mm. because we uh, like he. Let's be honest, within this season, he is a main character. Shot them is, oh, absolutely, yes. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so it's it, for me, it was like 
that's an interesting thing to just kind of again this year. I mean, Kirk as well, but in a movie, mm-hmm. um, as well as Spock, who yeah. then came back. So I mean, that is actually Spock came tra- back. See, exactly, that's the thing. I was like, as did Picard <laughs> and Data. Uh, yeah. yeah, and Data. Data. So and maybe yeah. Shaw, you know, could. Come there back. was there's one more body out there for the golems. <laughs> yeah, and like it's interesting, and I know you know Todd Stashwick has been fantastic in this role. He's yeah. been really, really good, and I know he's connected with the audience. I'm sure they knew what they had when you bring someone like Todd Stashwick into the show. You know what you have. You know you've got a character that's going to connect with the audience. I don't think they probably thought that the call for we need a spin-off show because. Picard is going so well, we must have a spin-off show. I don't think they expected by episode three that that, no. that the hashtag Star Trek Legacy was going to be out there, that people were liking Shaw 7's dynamic, and we're hoping to learn more about the bridge crew here, and we're expecting that we're going to see USS Titan carries on and new adventures coming next year, you know? Um, so I don't think they were expecting that. Um, and you're right, it's not just Shaw that we lose here. It's also all of the legacy characters and what was mean, what was meant by that hashtag was the younger generation, everybody under 25. And this plan of the Borg that's happened here is everybody under 25 is being assimilated. So everybody that we've met, all the new characters we've met this season have all been assimilated. The only ones yeah. left are our actual legacy next generation characters, in fact. Um, so those people are all still there. Everybody else we've lost here. So um, it is a big move. But I know they didn't have a plan for a spinoff uh, from this no. show. That was never the intention. Because no. I just, I, I think they might now, depending on who survives, mm-hmm. they may do it. But does that, I, I have to know this. and I'd love to get our feedback from uh, from our, our wonderful fellow uh, fellow listeners and fellow, fellow trackers here. Does that really disappoint people now? If you start a show and people are enjoying the characters, and those characters die. Does that disappoint you, or does that excite you like it does for me when someone dies in a show that I wasn't expecting to die? That really excites me. That means they're taking risks and telling stories and and not worrying about the future, only worrying about telling a great story right now and a great season right now. That's what, that's what this did for me in this episode. It's horrible that the character of Shaw died. I was introduced to him this season, really enjoyed the character. It's horrible that he died, but it's a great moment. It's a really good moment for the story. Absolutely. So, I like steaks. Mm-hmm. This is... I, I, Me I too, Chris. Mm. Medium yes. rare. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> with a good Bernie sauce, with some peppercorn. Anyway, no, I enjoy steaks in our shows. We've talked about yeah. it before. If we don't feel like there is an actual opportunity chance you're going to lose people in these it's like the flash mm-hmm. the flash on cw lost a lot of meaning for me because people kept dying and they kept coming back yeah. and you're like well i don't believe they're dead now and there's no stakes so like anyone who dies is going to be revived quite quickly yeah. so i don't like the shock of seeing shaw dead mm-hmm. i was like oh oh that that's interesting. You playing with my emotions in that way. So I enjoy, really yeah. enjoy that. It hasn't taken it away. Yeah. Um, if anything, it's just, I've actually doubled down and I'm like, yeah, if they find a way to bring him back or bring back this crew, not him. And maybe it's for his legacy. Mm. Yeah. That they're doing this and seven's the captain and all these other guys and Rafi's there. again. I just, they they brought in and they can created some really good characters. Mm-hmm. Like we had 
uh, Rios for two seasons, and yeah. we loved him. Yeah, mm-hmm. like as a character, and especially even his holograms. Yeah, so imagine a Shaw as a hologram. <laughs> Absolutely, great. Great. that's it. I mean, because like you know, Geordie's two daughters are changed. Yes. So is mm-hmm. Mura the and most of the crew on the bridge. Yeah. So I'm sure that potentially is reversible what's happened to some extent. You never know. That's where that's where they're aiming for. It's science so, fiction, yeah. so you know, could easily happen. So yeah, I mean having sure the as a hologram or something, but I mean, you know, it, I think it doesn't disappoint. I think I'm totally with you. You know, you need uh, stakes mm-hmm. um, within a show. I think, you know, this had meaning because of Shaw throughout this this series. Exactly. You know, even yeah. where he says, it's not my ship anymore, it's yours. You oh, have yes. the Khan Seven of Nine because he was so distrustful of her at the beginning. I mean, this, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of naval traditions, this is very, you know, the killed in action. It, it It's very much almost a bit like, uh, I thought we were going to, you know, like uh, with Nelson, like Kiss Me Hardy or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's the death throes of being killed in action of the captain and his first officer. Right, right. You know, it screams um, Battle of Trafalgar yeah. vibes in, in a sense. And I, so I kind of really... I thought it was really sort of meaningful because of how he interacted with Seven. Yeah, it was really poignant. But remember, yeah. he was he was dead naming earlier on in the season. He was he was calling her Hanson. Uh, would refused to call her Absolutely. Seven, and is now not only calling her by her right name. He's also handing over the contour. He's also saying, "This is now your ship." When you get it back from the board, absolutely. So I have have no qualms with with that at all. There's no enjoyment lost. It is a meaningful sentence because yeah. really got to enjoy this character um, of Captain Shaw. And yes, of course, I would have loved if um, there was some spin-off from Picard yeah. that would have had him in. Absolutely. But I think ultimately this was a, a next generation spin-off. Exactly. And yes. it wasn't about creating the next Star Trek and not everything will be done with that in mind whatever it may be um so yeah i thought this was a really good moment his death um i thought uh, it it really meant something and i loved the interaction there with seven of nine absolutely no i agree so that's the end of mine i kind of it's a shame to see shaw go but i'm happy to watch him leave Mm -hmm. you know the old saying (laughs) but john what is your (laughs) final big moment that means something different than you've uh, described chris but anyway (laughs) but it's a good it's a good segue i'm gonna stick with this segue okay (laughs) john what's your main point it is the enterprise d returns uh, and of course the enterprise f bats its eyelids and shows a bit of warp core um yeah, I love this. Um, I love the reference here with um, Enterprise D, just having that ship uh, okay. coming out of the Starfleet Museum. You've done something that I didn't expect you to do. Huh. You've made me more interested about what the hell you're talking about with Enterprise F. So uh, we, see, we see the older <laughs> Enterprise D. Yes. We see the new Enterprise F coming mm-hmm. out of the space station um Four Frontier Day. Yes, we do. Um, which was cool. Mm. I loved seeing that. Um, Commander, I yeah. loved even more seeing the Enterprise D yes. return. 
Um, and I just thought it was so cool. I mean, that is, it still looks cool. Yeah. Um, it's so sleek. And I mean, actually, obviously, Starfleet has got chunkier uh, as the years have passed because, you know, it's really sleek mm-hmm. and kind of sensual. It's curvy and, and just frankly, sexy. I love the ship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Enterprise D, um, you know, I guess it's a nostalgia thing from uh, back in the 90s, but I, I just thought it looked really cool. Just even the blue of the lights mm-hmm. um, oh. and the red, yeah. it's just so, so good. Um, I didn't really think I'd get so worked up about seeing um, the the starship uh, coming back on. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm half expecting it to disintegrate as it flies at warp uh, to sort of <gasps> sort of get capture and, and to intercept the the Borgs, um, and but nonetheless, I, I absolutely I loved it, and I love the fact that we got on board mm-hmm. uh, to see inside. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. It looked really small in comparison to the Titan, um, it, it's it's because they've kind of. They've got, it's almost like storage space. I don't know what it used to be, but it looks like storage space either side. It feels much narrower and smaller, but I, I loved seeing because that just that curvy design with the big console behind the captain's chair, mm-hmm. uh, just really good. I love that we got the voice of Majel Barrett uh, Roddenberry mm-hmm. uh, as the computer on the Enterprise D coming in. Um, that John Luke will accept that field demotion as the the voice says, <laughs> Captain Picard, we get engaged. I mean, this yeah. was just, this was really fantastic yeah. um, for me. I loved seeing it. I presume that part of the reason why Picard makes the joke about the field demotion is because it is Majel Bar- yeah. Bar- Roddenberry's voice, who's passed quite a long time ago now, so they wouldn't have ever recorded any dialogue with her saying, Admiral Picard. So, uh, so we, they they turned it into that joke there. Uh, there's just just some great moments on there. It's you know it's interesting that you mentioned about the ship being smaller and Rikers going, is it smaller? Um, but uh, it's it's just because it's a different type different type of ship, of course. Yeah, exactly. And the joke with Picard as well, where he's saying, "It's only now that I realize being aboard here with all of you around me." I really prefer the carpet. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, a very different yeah. ship to the sleek ships. But did you see the little tease that they did here? Lots of criticism of new Star Trek for how dark the ships are and the lighting is uh, on all of the ships. And I thought, I thought anyway, that they were teasing us uh, as they turned on the lights uh, on the Enterprise. It takes quite a while for it to come on. The lighting is looking very similar to what the Titan has looked like all season this season. And then eventually we get the full studio lighting like we used to see back in the uh, back in, in uh, the next generation. So I know they're teasing us because they know how dark uh, Star Trek has become over the years. Uh, so I'm glad that they uh, they turned on the full lights so, yeah. so we can see that full that full replica of uh, but, of the bridge. But I love the just the last shot of this. Uh, just, it Enterprise D just looks so pretty as it turns out of the Starfleet Museum mm-hmm. and jumps to warp. Like it was just really cool, um, just the angles. But yeah, as I say, the starships have gotten chunky. I mean, Enterprise mm-hmm. F, you know, it was a chunk meister there. <laughs> um, and uh, other interesting uh, reference here is that 
the first Enterprise, the NX-01, uh, Captain Archer's ship, was also uh, referenced It was. Here. Yes, the first ship, uh, of course, f- uh, featured an Enterprise, uh, captained by Captain yeah. Archer 250 years beforehand. That's what they're memorialising here. So, yeah, uh, so it was referenced by um, Admiral Shelby. Yeah, yeah, in her big speech. About, oh, uh, I thought about, she was uh, talking about Cochrane. No, she's the speaking, speaking at the NX. During first contact, when they did that show, ship, she and they did the it's a she thing. talks about the first warp five capable ship. Warp five, okay. I did. I missed the five. I heard the first warp, and I thought it was a callback to literally first contact where they did that. They, it turned out it was the next generation crew with. Cochrane. Yeah, I could, I could see why why the confusion come in, but that was the old day that used to be celebrated by the Federation. That used to be First Contact Day. Um, yeah. we, we heard that on on uh, in the first season of Picard. This is Frontier Day. So this is when they broke into the next frontier. Yeah. So, uh, which was the the subject of of Enterprise the series. So, yeah. uh, so it's kind of cool that they're able to reference all of these enterprises, and we've already, of course, seen uh, James T. Kirk's Enterprise this season as well. So, I think we've seen every every Enterprise referenced. And one more that was referenced in here well, as well, I, in a little gag um, about the Enterprise E, the one that, that was uh, featured in the last Next Generation movie. Um, the joke here that uh, potentially, because we've never seen it happen, that Worf apparently is the cause of that crash, <laughs> yeah. and Worf saying this isn't his fault. So we've never actually seen what happened to the Enterprise E, but we know it doesn't exist in the uh, in the world anymore, and as probably, I guess irreparable right um because uh, uh there was no call to bring that back and get that replaced they went straight back to the enterprise d so uh so good little good little joke there but but apparently it has been referenced in some novels and books and stuff like that but there's uh but the enterprise e uh has not been the the end of the enterprise e has not been seen anywhere so okay yeah, yeah. because as well some of the other ships or starships that were there Ooh, we yes, do have the uss uh cochrane mm-hmm. uh Sulu as well, which I love. Excellent. And the other one I noticed was Galgamesh as well. We're all part of the fleet that were assembled there when you looked it on the readout. Yeah. uh, Which was great. Yeah, there's another one that I really liked as well because I got my reference. um, Excellent. That I've been looking for all season to uh, to Dr. Pulaski. There is a USS Pulaski uh, mentioned in here. So they do uh, reference the, uh, the. uh, doctor from the next generation here as well excellent like uh, and also whilst we're speaking of ships there was also the the excelsior as well with mm. captain ben bassett that they managed to escape from uh, and recapture mm, their yeah. bridge so all i could think of was that this was the geriatric crew uh aboard uh the excelsior and um, sort of the retirement uss retirement right um and uh, <laughs> so basically none of them actually assimilated but no they had captured back the ship and mm-hmm. then were blown out of the water they the queen decoupled the this synchronization technology mm. of the fleet mm. um and then unfortunately yes uh captain ben bassus was uh blown up with the rest of his elderly crew which <laughs> you know honestly i thought that was really effective the way they it did was. that and i don't know whether that's because i know cgi is massive now that they do everything and it looks amazing but I genuinely remember playing video games that were just three dots. And, uh, and when yep. you tell a story with the three dots, they, they 
actually can be affecting. Here it was basically five dots on a computer screen and seeing the uh, yeah. seeing the laser bolts or the, the phaser bolts coming out and taking out the Excelsior. You realize what's happened here, that they're being executed in front of the rest of the fleet. Um, it just it, it looked really good and, and it did still, even though it's low, uh, low tech, uh, it still came across as... Um, as uh, quite affecting as well. Yeah, absolutely. I say low tech. I'm sure that took quite a few weeks to do uh, to do the entire uh, entire screen of ships from uh, from Starfleet, but uh, it looked fantastic. Really enjoyed um, seeing all the references and and, uh, and yeah, that moment uh, worked really well. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I think that's us with our moments for episode nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any notes left? I have one, and it, it, it's more it's a discussion. Because I look at it, because I, I want to open it to the floor. Because I've seen, well, I I have my own opinion, and I've also seen some scuttlebutt on the the internet. Which, <laughs> Stop looking at the internet, Chris. <laughs> I, I, at some point, I have to. But um, no, more. Per, it's like, what did you guys think? With like, we had some ideas of we had our own theories of a who could have been behind the door, who the big bad could have been. Mm-hmm. And I will preface this with a spoiler from my wrap up in my own kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. This is still one of this for me is one of the best episodes of Star Trek to date mm-hmm. in terms of it is the next generation on steroids. It is great. <laughs> so let me just say that uh-huh. it is fantastic. But mm-hmm. how do we feel with the Borg being the big bad again? The, the man behind the, the gooeyness. That was the working with the changelings. Right. Uh, not sure we have an answer to that particular person behind the gooeyness talking to the changelings yet. I think we still have that to come uh, next week. Not sure if that was the sure. Borg Queen in disguise. Um, that will be answered next week, I think. Uh, it possibly, it may not be answered ever. And it could just be that it is the Borg. Uh, for me, I was kicking myself that I didn't pick it up. Um, it makes total sense that the anomaly inside of Picard, which they've been referencing all season, um, wasn't aromatic syndrome, was the, the residue effectively of Locutus and what happened to him as Borg. It makes total sense to me. It's more having two seasons in a row of this show, if you've watched the three seasons of the show, having two of them featuring the Borg um, as the big antagonist and them doing a much better job in this third season of incorporating them as the villain. Um, is, is more my, uh, it's more the thing I have a problem with. And I don't even have that big of a problem. It doesn't really matter. They've done a great job. Uh, here so um, I'm really happy that it's it works as a story this season so uh, for me not an issue with uh, with the Borg being the bad guys again this season yeah I, I don't have a problem with the Borg being uh, the bad guys at all I mean I'm a little I, I the only thing about it is because of the involvement of the changelings and I was really enjoying that whole storyline mm-hmm. um it's it's like we mentioned you know it's like with uh marvel's secret invasion you know you, mm. you bring this notion of, of a species that can change to any form it really ups the the ante as mm-hmm. to who you can and can't trust and it almost feels as though that's in this episode that just got completely pulled back now it might come into the final episode absolutely mm-hmm. um not saying it won't but i actually just felt a little bit that all that great stuff being done just got a little short changed because yeah. the borg 
Cube just came flying in from left field in its nebula, not nebula, uh, to kind of steal the show. Mm. Um, that did kind of, you know, at the end of this episode, I just looked at Derek and said, well, where are the changelings? Mm-hmm. There's not nothing there. There's nothing, you know, even seeing their victory, you know, like effectively they've just gotten what they've want. And I guess that will be in the next episode, but it, it felt like that had been shortchanged. As I say, yeah. episode 10 may come along and that's not the case. Exactly. Um, so it's just, um, you know, I guess there's been those breadcrumbs of, of the Borg the, through this, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little disappointed in my theory that behind the red door, because it was so fiery, uh, it was the Bajoran oh, fire pits. And, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of, I was like, going, oh yeah, that'd be really good if, if I'm right there. But it's like, obviously, no, wrong again. So, Maybe there's a bit of that, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's just simply, I felt the changelings um, yeah. were missing from this episode. Let's put yeah. it that way. I think it was more that. Mm. Um, and that felt a little odd. Yeah. Immediately after I'd seen it, for sure. Yeah. But I do love this episode. I, I'm, I'm quite similar. Like, look, for me, it's... I, I suppose part of me was like, you know what I wish? Because we've seen so many... Um, but we've seen Borg storylines. Yeah. Um, we've seen the Borg storylines. We saw the Borg previously in the last season. We, like, and we saw synthetics in season one. Um, yeah. And, and they were have... pillaging the Borg cubes yeah, in exactly. season one we as had, well. So, we had, but, yeah. exactly. So we had that story. And I'm like, I understand the Borg are the big bad. They are the big bad. Yeah. But part of me also goes. You had the Cardassians. You you had the 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 other ones from Deep Space Nine. You had some of the bad guys from Voyager. You like it's a wealth of a universe of bad yeah. guys. And I'm like, or you come up with a new. I so part of me was like, I I also know that some of these writers are some of the best writers in the business. Like so. And they've seen what they could do. So I'm like, I'd love to see what they, if they had got more opportunity to play in that sandbox, could they have, or was this always the plan? Yeah. Was this the three season arc? And they do bring Borgatti back in later, and she's the one that stops this at the end. And it was all part of the three season arc we've had. And it's all about the synthetic life being the biggest and AI and everything being the big bad. So I'm just like, I think I trust that they know where they're going with this final episode and I'm happy with everything so far. It's just also part of me is like, interesting, you didn't, you had a whole universe to play in. You had a whole set of all the different season bad guys, different people bad, the different show bad guys chose the Borg again mm-hmm. to be that big bad. And I'm like, cool, I'm not complaining, just. No, exactly. Why? Interesting. Yeah. I'd say I'd say it's probably the greatest hits uh, concept. You bring yeah. back all the cast. You got to bring back the biggest bad. It's it's odd though. Again, we got Q last season, and Q had a great storyline last season. It was great to see, great to have Q back there last season. But you would think if they were doing the show the way they did season three, that Q would have worked really well <laughs> with all of this cast meeting meeting up with Q 
uh, in this season. That could have been the other option that they were going for. But because they used him last season, it wouldn't make sense to do that two seasons in a row, I suppose. Yeah. No, that's very true. Okay. Okay. So I think that's it for notes. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent. Uh, right. Off we go. Chris, what did you think of Star Trek Picard? Episode 9, Vox. So I, I, I kind of gave it away already. Um, for me, this is some of the best Star Trek in years, in mm-hmm. a single episode. Um, it, 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 it's You just said those words, Derek, the greatest hits. Yeah. It felt like a greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. Like all the best parts of Star Trek The Next Generation, all the best parts of some of the best episodes kind of pulled together, like the family aspect, everything just heightened to 11 in a way and really just making you go, oh, this was cool. Yeah. Um, now, and this is the one where I actually wish they had have done an Amazon on it, where they did the last two episodes back to back. So we could have gone, oh, yeah, let's just kind of I, I record it and then just dive in tonight. Um, but unfortunately, that's they didn't. So, yeah, no, absolutely loved it. I'm very much looking forward to the, the final hour of this and the final hour of the next generation of Picard. Mm-hmm. What about yourself, Derek? What do you think of this penultimate episode of Picard? Yeah, absolutely loved this. And I think, um, you know, we had them, some ideas of what we, what we wanted to see in the penultimate episode. And my big thing that I wanted to see was, tell me about Jack. Tell me what his connection is here. Tell me what his purpose is. Tell me what the reason that we've been following the character is really for the last nine episodes, other than him being Picard and Beverly's son, which is a story in itself. So I'm glad they've revealed this big connection. I'm glad they've had the big reveal of the board couldn't have done this without him. That's a big, yeah. big connecting thing that needed to happen uh, in the episode. Um, they delivered that, but they also delivered on getting the family back together uh, to go off on their final mission. Reuniting the crew with the Enterprise D is fantastic. I love that. The sacrifice of Shaw on the end to his arc of a storyline I thought was fantastic in this episode. It worked really, really well for me. Him finally accepting who Seven is and giving her the con. Uh, of course, if she uh, rests control back of the uh, board control ship. Um, but I think that all makes sense. It all, that in itself, we didn't even, didn't really speak about that, but that in itself, I really like the idea that, um, she's staying aboard the ship as the new captain, Rafi staying with her, which is another callback to their relationship. But it also is a great excuse to not put anybody that wasn't in the next generation cast aboard the Enterprise D, right? It works really well in loads of ways. So overall, writing has been really tight throughout the season, uh, coming right up here now to the, to the penultimate episode. It's written by fans that have loads of knowledge about the show, but it's not just fan service. They're also telling great stories with the cast that they have here. Uh, spectacular. Loved it. Loved it overall. How about yourself, John? What's your final thoughts on Star Trek Picard season three, episode nine? Yeah, I really loved this episode. I'd give this uh, five wrinkled leather hides out of five. Um, I was going to go with sleek starships mm-hmm. out of five, um, but I think both work. Sleek and wrinkly, uh, sort of yin and yang going on there. Um, we yeah, love I, seeing this many wrinkles. Absolutely. Uh, well, I won't tell you what my other one was going to be, mm-hmm. but uh, certainly I uh, just love this episodes um from start to finish um it sort of really maintained that sort of uneasy relationship between um picard and and jack certainly where he has to effectively put him under house arrest Mm -hmm. effectively um jack's sort of uh 
cockiness to that he will be able to go to the Borg Queen mm-hmm. um and seeing how really you know that that doesn't go quite according to plan mm-hmm. i loved ultimately um just the whole exposition of what we've seen you know sort of connecting the dots um from that trail of breadcrumbs mm-hmm. you know i thought it was really good um i really enjoyed it 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 felt suitably star trek it was delivered in a suitable in, in a really star trek way which i loved mm-hmm. yeah tons of easter eggs in this whether it's from admiral shelby to the uss uh cochran or or sulu to the nx01 um and of course the the cherry on top which is just delighting in um the enterprise d mm-hmm. uh, really really enjoyed that um a lot uh, i can't wait to see the next episode and how they battle against the odds in the enterprise d uh, with limited uh weaponry uh as wolf says you know he prefers the phaser array on the enterprise e uh-huh. um, shut up wolf yes. just <laughs> just tell him how much you like the ship <laughs> that uh you know just how they will pull that one out of the fire mm-hmm. um but it you know that's to me what the next generation is about Absolutely. the you know the team together using all their skills mm-hmm. uh beating and going against the odds you know, so uh, yeah, this was uh, five wrinkled leather hides out of five. Great stuff. What was your revelation there, Chris? Oh my God, Borgati! That's how you fight all the Borg. The, the Borg controlled. She has her own collective. Potentially, you can bring them in, or it's just going to be they have to go to the Borg. Picard has to pull, and then has an emotional chat down with. Um. Jack and he then takes over and Brick goes against the board using the board technology. Or someone has to die or a number of people have to die. Can you imagine? Absolutely. Great stuff, John. Um, yeah, really, uh, really, really good episode. Um, totally loved it. Just, just to say, um, Definitely check out Twitter at the moment on Terry Metalis's feed. Um, they're starting to share because they didn't want to spoil anything before the episode came out, but they're starting to share some of the details behind the creation of the ships. Um, if you guys don't know, if you haven't been following that stuff, uh, most of the fans who were speculating about what's happening this season thought that the crew were going to be getting aboard their brand new Enterprise, the Enterprise F. So images of that had been released so seeing that effectively taken over and uh, not being uh, uh, having the next generation crew aboard it um was a big shock to a lot of people i don't think anybody expected the enterprise d was going to be coming back and the attention to detail and the recreation of the enterprise d is magnificent i'm sure most people know this but that's not of course the original set that was destroyed back in the 90s after the uh, mm. after the show finished production so the replica that they've done here is down to the carpet itself, <laughs> of Aww. course. So it's it's literally every single element that's in there on screen is to perfection. So fantastic job uh, by the production crew on here. You are? <laughs> they destroyed it. It is, it is sadly. <laughs> yep. oh, I think we all need to go and get a Rattagino or a, uh, a Romulan Ale. Um, yeah, or a bit, of, uh, yeah, a bit of sour Chateau Picard. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Some, some Sarah Chateau Picard. <laughs> yeah, tied that over to our pub quiz. But we should mention, in case you missed it last week, we gave a pretty impossible question for our question eight in our Star Trek Picard pub quiz. Um, 
because when we finally saw the episode, we said we realized we couldn't actually read uh, the answer to the question that we thought uh, we could read previously. So we have replaced that question. Yes. We did put out a specific episode giving the brand new question. And it's up on the website now. It is. It is with the brand new questions up there. But I do want to give a shout out to Victor Von Doom, who sent us an email as he had found the answer in the episode to our impossible question. So it is possible, but way too hard because we couldn't see it when we were pausing uh, the episode on on the streaming on on, uh, on Paramount Plus at, yeah. or on uh, Prime Video. Uh, we have both options available to us and couldn't see the answer, but Victor has found it. He did get it. Well done, Victor. Nobody else, you're not going to be held to answer that question. Uh, there is a new question eight. Yes, absolutely. Well done, Victor. I think uh, I would need to go back to my opticians very quickly um, mm-hmm. if I was to try and spot that uh, code. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm certain that we saw it, though. I'm certain that we were able to see it the first yeah. time we watched it, and then trying to pause the, sc- the screen <laughs> to find it again when it was on streaming was impossible. So uh, so we won't leave you with that question. Uh, John, I'm going to just ask you to call out question eight one more time. So the correct question eight now, this is the one that you have to add to your answers uh, for the podcast. Yes, fellow quizzers, fellow Trekkies, welcome back. I uh, hope you haven't drank too much so that you can follow what is going on. But as Derek said, a repeat of question eight. What new Betazoid word does Deanna Troy teach Will Riker when they are imprisoned on the Shrike? Mm-hmm. Yep. And a brand new question for this yes. episode. Question nine. Question nine. What is the name of the research academy on Vulcan where Jean-Luc tries to send Jack to? Excellent. It might be a research uh, facility. May not, but that's what Picard calls it anyway. So, uh, so John... Give the question one more time. Question nine. What is the name of the research academy on Vulcan where Jean-Luc tries to send Jack to? Great stuff. Ninth question of ten. Uh, gather together the answer to all ten questions and email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com at the end of the season. And you could get your hands on some Star Trek Picard goodies. Excellent stuff. Uh, right. Let us move on to feedback for this episode. First off, some general feedback on the season from our feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, we have Frank Amir. Frank Amir says, Hi, Derek, John, and Chris. First of all, Hi. I truly enjoy the podcast and the authentic excitement you all have on the Picard series. Mm-hmm. I do not have anyone to fawn over the series with, so listening to you makes my viewpoints feel authentic and provokes further insight into the show's storyline. I wanted to write to you today to speak about the opening title card and closing credits. The only title card we see is the name of the episode and the name which is currently part one, two, etc. Simple and direct. The closing credits is what I find so engaging, which is typically not the norm. They highlight the ship's sensors and controls using very close focus shots. Mm -hmm. The colours and graphics provide simple and clean details. They are typically in the background, but we know they have a team of people who have developed these graphics. It's nice to see them take centre stage for once. I will attempt to list the ones I have identified. Mm -hmm. A, A DNA strand diagram, a holodeck program, language translation, music, layout of the ship, Space Fleet Museum, Starfleet Officer Performance Evaluation, mm-hmm. the quote, do not seek blame, 
do not seek anger, a micro neurographic scan. You can almost see in which episodes these came into play over the course of the season. Mm -hmm. Thanks again for this podcast where I can fandom over Star Trek with you guys. Frank Amir. Thank you so much, Frank Amir. Mm -hmm. uh, really great to um, get your feedback in. And, and you're so right. I mean, certainly uh, those graphics are on the end credits. Um, after this episode, you can see the Borg DNA uh, <laughs> alteration to that DNA strand diagram yeah. that yeah. You, you mentioned as one of those graphics you've identified. So, yeah, yeah really intricate stuff connected uh, to different episodes in different ways. So, yeah, really good. Yeah, nice little nods, as, as you can see them, uh, going back to things that have happened in previous episodes. So, uh, yeah, very cool. They've definitely spent a lot of time in those credits. And, of course, really glad uh, you're, um, you're subscribed and listening to the podcast and that you can fandom out uh, with us over Star Trek Picard. Great stuff. Absolutely. That's what we're here for, to have everybody fandom out with us about Star Trek. So uh, glad you found us. Thanks so much, Frank and Mia. Thanks so much, Frank and Mia. We also got a message through our website from Brandon. Uh, Brandon, thanks for sending a message through the website. I didn't know we had that functionality set up, so <laughs> it's awesome. You scared him. It's cool. Though. I was like, wow, we got a, we got somebody that, uh, that sent a message through uh, through there, and it came directly through to my email. So brilliant stuff. Uh, thanks, Brandon. Uh, Brandon says, I've been listening to your podcast for Picard Season 3 since the first episode, and I have to say, you all do an excellent job each week. I have been wanting to reach out, and since we are at the ninth episode, now is as good a time as any. This episode certainly answered a lot of questions, but if I'm being honest, I was a little disappointed to see the Borg behind that red door as the big bad, overarching entity. I really wanted to see it be something different, like the Pa Wraiths, especially since the Changelings were involved. I was hoping we'd get to see Captain Sisko, aka the Emissary, but I guess that is just wishful thinking. I thought with the end of Season 2 we concluded the story with the Borg, but I guess not. I almost wonder if the creators are trying to retcon Season 2 due to the poor reception that received by a lot of fans. With all of that said, I have to remember that this is Picard's story and it makes absolute sense that the Borg would play a major role in the conclusion of his story since they are the one foe he never truly defeated. Overall, I thought Episode 9 was a good story, but I was sad to see Captain Shaw killed off. At least that's what it looks like for now. I really disliked him at the beginning of the season, but he grew on me as the season went on and I would have liked him to stick around for some more. It was touching at the end when he finally acknowledged Commander Hansen as Seven of Nine and gave her command of the ship, even though it was already under the command of the Borg. Still, it's the sentiment that counts. Obviously, the best for last is the reveal of the Enterprise D. I think this is a reveal we have been waiting for all season. Oh, yeah. I chuckled a little when Geordi revealed the Enterprise D and then said, and obviously we can't use Enterprise E, and everyone then simultaneously looked at Worf and he responded, that was not my fault. It seems Worf may have crashed the Enterprise E at some point in the past. Seems par for the course for an Enterprise ship if you think about it. Picard's line about missing the carpets was also a good one. I could literally go on and on about this episode. It was just so good, and I cannot wait for episode 10. This is one of the best seasons of any Star Trek by far. Excellent stuff, Brandon. I completely agree. I think this has been really... So good. Um, just such a great way of folding in the nostalgia around the next generation with the, the cast mm -hmm. from the original series... Um, little snippets to other parts of the galaxy like Voyager and Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, just seeing Enterprise D getting a glimpse of a new Enterprise in mm -hmm. Enterprise F as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I love how they've really, you know, 
folded that nostalgia into a really good storyline that introduces Jack Crusher, introduces Captain Shaw, uh, and, and, you know, so many other things and weaves in the changelings, um, yeah. into, I guess, the, the next generation much more heavily. Um, you know, the, to me, they were always the Deep Space Nine, um, foes effectively mm-hmm. so i i like that kind of crossover as well so yeah i, I think it's been uh, a fantastic season of star trek I, I i agree as well like for me it's still some of the best we've ever seen i'm with you in that like i sure we all kind of disliked him now todd <laughs> stashwick is a whole other matter absolutely that actor yeah is just fantastic as a character actor across but you're built to dislike him and by now feel have some shock emotion feel yeah. that it he is gone which is a shame we don't want that um and then yeah i'm kind of with you on as i we already discussed yeah. just there just on the borg bit but and i like the pad rates i saw more and more about the pad rate stuff um from deep space nine over the last week is in particular mm-hmm. just before this episode air everyone was zeroing in on that yeah going it would be great and that'll kind of get you back into those kind of other the the other big kind of good and bad guys from beyond the wormhole mm-hmm. um and i think that would have been cool maybe they'll explore it in a different season or a show maybe that's discovery's next big thing but we will wait and see. Yeah, or maybe we'll see something next week's episode. You never know. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just on the point of of the retcon of season two, I just want to mention this. Just uh, that, that um, the whole show itself, Starship Picard, came from bringing Patrick Stewart back on board to the idea of doing Star Trek again. I remember being at the premiere for the first episode of of Picard season one, and there was lots of discussions about Patrick Stewart saying he did not want to come back as Jean-Luc Picard, still sitting on the Enterprise 30 years on from the previous adventure, he didn't want to tell that story. And I feel like now that they've gotten two seasons of stories which are really focused on Picard and his... Uh, him as a person in later in life that that's allowed them to do this third season which is much more about bringing that cast of the next generation back together it was filmed as far as i remember it was filmed very close to the second season uh, of the show they they almost did it back to back um so i don't think that actually seen the reaction of audiences to the end of season two to plan this story out um for season three i think this was the plan and you know obviously things get worked in in filming and things get worked uh, through in the writer's room um, as they continue. But I don't think they're trying to retcon what happened at the end of season two. Uh, in fact, it, as I said, there was a a, a call out to um, that these are two different boards. They're two different stories, effectively, that can still exist simultaneously in in this uh, this galaxy, I guess, um, in this in this universe of, of Star Trek. So uh, so I don't think they're specifically retconning. I think it's it's just a, a natural progression. And now this series is much more about telling a story of the Enterprise crew years on, whereas the first two seasons were about uh, about Picard's um, experience later in life. But great stuff. Yep. Thanks so much, Brandon, for your thoughts. And thanks for using our uh, our form on the website to send in your, your comments. It's great <laughs> yeah, to Good stuff. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Over on Facebook on last week's episode, Donald Dennis had this to say. So, how certain are we that Deanna Troy isn't a changeling? 
Chris saying this. Pretty certain now, but that's besides the point. Back to Donald. Either way, I like to see her and Riker scenes. They had more character development in that cell than they had in the entire seasons of The Next Generation. I loved the theory Chris presented about the Black Ooze. This whole series seems like it's redeeming characters and events from previous lore, and I think it's doing a great job of that. Reconciling with Denise Cosby's Yars somehow could be a fan service of the best kind. The data lore scene was pretty much as I suspected it would turn out. I hope that some of lore becomes more a bit more evident. Not the homosexual maniac, but some turns where you go, ah, that's new. Maybe bluffing better in poker. Thanks, Donald. Yep, yeah, look, it would have been black ooze, would have been cool. Ooze is always cool, i.e. Ghostbusters too. I'm not taking any comments on it. That's all right. That's my thought. Uh, but do agree, look, that again, that Riker and Diana Troy scene was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. We called it, called it at the end of our season, episode last as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Donald. Uh, I think uh, I'm hoping Diana isn't a changeling, um, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Or, yes. Uh, Pretty that, sure she's not. Again, no, ma- yes. the mind reading abilities yeah. probably still say she's better than that. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Dr. Bob had a quick uh, quick comment. Just said, quick lobes of the brain refresher. Uh, frontal is the decision-making planning. <laughs> Parietal are the stolen bits of Picard. Uh, they're about um, memory and language. And occipital is sight and scent and taste. Because uh, I think we might have mixed them up uh, on last oh, week's Well, podcast. I know I did. Yeah. Even in this podcast, I was <laughs> saying frontal. Because I... Don't remember the other two. So, yeah, parietal so are the I stolen bits. Frontal. frontal is the decision-making planning. They're the ones that develop and stop developing at 25, uh, I think. Couldn't they have done frontal, lateral, and reversal? Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, no, it's all my backle. It's all the back <laughs> of my brain. Exactly. <laughs> my backle lobe. My frontal lobe and my backle lobe. Oh. My sidal lobe, my other sidal lobe. I my know. lefty lobe and my righty <laughs> lobe. <laughs> exactly. I, I, know, I know technically Jean is the only doctor on our podcast, but uh, not a doctor of medicine. No, I am not a medicine Doctor, right. which you'll all be very pleased to know. Uh-huh. Yes, we <laughs> should be. He, if he comes in and goes, well, you've got an owie wowie on your boopy, but don't worry, it's really going to just affect your backy wacky lobe, uh-huh. not your fronty wanty lobe, yep. so you're all right. Yeah, any doctor that says that, don't let them treat you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks so much, Dr. Bob. Uh, on this week's episode, we got an email in from Virat, who says, I must say, this show has made me love Reddit all over again and simultaneously despise it all uh, over yes. again. Reddit, yes. Right after watching the episode <laughs> twice, as it might have been my favourite Star Trek episode of all time, mm. I made the mistake and read the post-show comments and was surprised at some of the negativity. One comment caught my eye in that he commented how they didn't even mention Jurati Borg Queen mm-hmm. once the entire episode. This got me thinking. This was a brand new out of nowhere reveal. Nobody had the Borg on their minds until the red door opened. Mm-hmm. They are in the midst of being checkmated by the Borg with Earth on the brink of destruction. It would be like a supermodel perfection who got to be beautiful through hard work and exercise, Jurati Borg, and pitting them against a supermodel who got liposuction. If they were to conceive getting help from Jurati Borg, it's just hard to see a Borg on Borg conflict. 
based on the means or to perfection. I think a throwdown debate on who is more perfect might happen, not a conflict. To me, it would make more sense if Jurassic Queen had a showdown with non-Jurassic Queen for Jack, mm. since Jack oh, okay. expressed some of the lack of connection and aloneness as Jurassic. All in all, I don't see how they get out of this one without obliterating the temporal prime directive. Love the show, Virat. That's a really interesting idea, Virat. I like the, I like the idea that it, that it could be Jurati going up against the Borg Queen, um, to save Jack effectively because they had similar sentiments to them. That's a, that's a really interesting way of, of bringing it in. Uh, and I think you're right. Yeah. The, the, the idea that they wouldn't mention Jurati, you know, it wouldn't be the first thing that would pop into, uh, Picard's mouth when the entire fleet was being taken yeah. over by the Borg. You know, I, I kind of get that. There's loads of other stuff going on here, you know. Um, but I think probably like myself, uh, we were just trying to remember, um, how, how the Borg storyline finished last season and how it would connect to this season. So uh, I can see why. There may have been a little confusion in there as well, of course. But uh, but I like your idea. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks, Virat. Yes, thank you so much, Virat. Over on Facebook for this week's episode, we got some feedback from Joe Herbers, who had this to say. So much fan service, so little ever spent on a sensible story. Love seeing the old crew together, but felt like such a wasted opportunity to do something more interesting. Really wishing Jack hadn't taken up so much of this season. Did they actually need Jack for the Frontier Day takeover? If so, then Troy should have left the damn door closed. Are we going to explain who's controlling Vadik, likely the Borg Queen in disguise, and what threat the Borg apparently made against the Changing to get them to take over Starfleet? Thanks, Joe. Yeah, my assumption is next week. Like, we'll get all the Borg stuff, as myself and Derek and John have already discussed mm. in next week's episode, we'll, we'll get that with more changelings. Yeah. The Frontier Day, I don't think they needed Jack for the Frontier Day. They needed Jack f- to uh, basically turn on the control of all the Borg under the 25. He's the transmitter. So to take over all the young young people they needed him for that yeah the swarm of the actual ships was just code yeah so they they didn't need him for that they needed him for the turning on of the board code within people effectively he connects with them through space because yes. i think you yeah. see his eyes go black as i say mm-hmm. the uh the demon kind of look <laughs> and you see on Mura and on sydney and the those that turn their eyes go black yeah. effectively yeah. and then back as though they there you have it it's i guess instead of going red like they yeah. did uh when he wasn't plugged in and assimilated by the ball queen exactly yeah. exactly yeah so he was essential to the plan if, if 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 he hadn't been there this wouldn't have happened yes. um yeah yeah but as as for a threat to the changelings to get them involved in the takeover then there was any threat i think it was more of a promise i think they were working together to get payback on Starfleet for yeah. uh, for the changelings yeah. because of what they had been done to them. I don't think there's a threat there from the Borg. Um, just interesting that they didn't assimilate them, <laughs> which seems to happen when uh, the Borg come in contact with anybody, right? So, uh, But they obviously found there was a, a way of using them. So, uh, so interesting stuff. Uh, thanks so much for that, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Victor Van Doom also sent in his thoughts. He said, I was a bit disappointed at the Borg resurgence, but it was only fitting that they return alongside all the crew. Sorry to see Shaw go. He gave nice props to Seven, though. 
Geordie's legendary reputation is reconfirmed when he produced the Enterprise D. I hope Raffian 7 can save his daughters along with the rest of the Titans crew. I'm very eager to see how this concludes. Thanks, Victor. Um, yeah, cannot wait for episode 10 mm-hmm. uh, and certainly to see how they can pull this one uh, from the jaws of defeat, yes. I guess, to yeah. be honest, uh, because, um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty total warfare from the Borg. And like yourself, and as we've discussed, you know, um, I think the Borg resurgence, it just felt quite a surprise um, on, on yeah. this episode, um, even though, I guess, there are breadcrumbs yeah, throughout, sure. for sure. Yeah. Um, and certainly with reference to it, uh, as Captain Shaw's little speech in mm-hmm. the holodeck. So, um, but I, I think, you know, I'm never going to say no to seeing the Borg. They are such a great, <laughs> um, a great antagonistic foe, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thanks so much, Victor. Do you know there's only one thing that annoyed me about them in the episode? What? Do you know when, um, when they went through the red door and we heard, we are Borg? Yeah. Yeah. And then later on, when LaForge's daughter turns, the first thing she says is, we are the Borg. I just annoyed, <laughs> it just annoyed me. It just annoyed me. I don't know. I, 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 I've always got to wonder, is it, is it we are Borg or we are the Borg? And both were used in the episode. Anyway, uh, only thing that annoyed me. But thanks so much for that, Victor. Uh, Corey Garren says, Shelby, no. I do kind of hate when they bring back characters just to kill them off, especially immediately killing them. It makes me kind of glad that we didn't see Janeway return. Well, yeah, that is true. But where is Admiral Janeway? Because technically, I guess she was overseeing all this. You'd expect her to be there. Mm. So I do wonder if maybe why she wasn't around, Mm. um, that actually she's not a changeling Mm -hmm. and that she's gone back to her old haunting ground of the Delta Quadrant (laughs) where she's been able to find, you know, ultimately some kind of anti-Borg thingy-majig that they can whip out. Maybe. You never know. Or she's starting the resistance from Earth. It lives yeah. on. You never know. You never know. Good stuff. Uh, some other mentions about Borgatti as well. Um, Andriarhos says, I had the same question. Are they just ditching all of season two storyline? I will say I almost didn't watch this season, but it's actually far better than the other two. More like an old school next generation episode. I was extremely sorry they killed off Captain Shaw, though. He was a great irreverent character and I would have loved for him to be on another show. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Angie. Yep. Totally with you there. Um, but I think, yeah, season two storyline is definitely still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, um, it, it's not too much of a, a problem there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Richard Blaze also says, same. I was going, wait. What, didn't this sort itself out in season two? Uh, Sandy Rescindy said, right, I'm so confused. So hopefully by the end of the podcast here, uh, you guys will have a little bit more clarity. And by the end of the season, everybody will uh, yeah. will understand exactly what's happened but here at the board. Totally understandable. Yeah. Had exactly yeah. the same kind of feeling. And certainly because they kept the face hidden, I was just like, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, but then it wasn't that kind of crucifix-like Borg ship that uh, Borgatti had as exactly. well. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And guys, look, hopefully everyone got that. And if you don't, and we are still wrong, and everyone's still confused, and turns out it was all sorted, and this is something completely different, time-space continuums, timey-wiminess, it's not our fault. We're, we were all wrong. <laughs> don't hold it against us. <laughs> the final piece of feedback 
we got was from the Twitter musical maestro Matt Murdock, who had this to say. That episode of Picard was a whole, whole lot of people figuring out the exact <laughs> right answers all at once, which seemed highly unlikely and was an absolute assault on the brain to keep up with. But I guess was done in the interest of keeping suspense for nine episodes. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the revisit of Enterprise D was very emotional for me. So much so that I had to pause the episode for a few seconds to regather myself and was worth the price of admission alone. Thanks, Matt. And yeah, I think everyone, I think everyone of a certain age who mm-hmm. grew up with and or those who kind of have a deep connection to Star Trek kind of felt the exact same way. And, uh, what is Star Trek not, if not a whole load of people figuring out the exact same thing and all the right answers at the exact same time, uh, especially within 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Always happened in 40 minutes of, uh, of an episode on air of, uh, of The Next Generation that we had, uh, had everything solved. Absolutely. Uh, the whole team uh, putting their spokes together, putting their heads together and, uh, and completing the puzzle. So uh, great to see that in this episode. But yes, slightly unbelievable. It would all happen within a minute uh, of each other. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks matt yeah thank you so much matt and thank you fellow trekkies uh for all your feedback mm-hmm. uh keep it coming in for the final episode absolutely but a very good point we're not going to have a feedback section uh for the final episode because hopefully we'll be recording it before we go uh away on holidays so we will be coming back afterwards to uh talk about the feedback for the final episode the feedback on the entire season and of course revealing our uh winner of our pub quiz Yes. So keep the answers coming in through feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com as well. But thank you so much, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, for joining us uh, today. Thanks for all the feedback Mm -hmm. as well. We hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. And if you enjoy what you hear, why not share it with your friends? Because, of course, sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing Sharing the assimilation. Love. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Because, of course, sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the... Assimilation. (laughs) 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 I thought that was quite good. I was going to leave it in. I thought that was quite good as well. I was going to leave it in. Why would I take it out? Resistance is futile, fellow (laughs) Trekkies. Um, And, of course, we will be back next week with the finale of Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 10. The last octogenarian. <laughs> That's not right. The last generation. That's right. So your feedback on the show, as Derek has mentioned, really important. But please get that in. And of course, we'll have the next question of our 10 forward pub quiz. So please make sure you join us for the finale. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've gone from the first generation to the next generation to the last generation in the finale of uh, of Picard next week. Can't wait. It's going to be good. Yeah, maybe they'll go to the octogenarian. They might. They might. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Thanks, folks. Speak to you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, for joining us. Uh, As always, uh, make sure you uh, watch the next episode. And in the meantime, before we're back, keep watching, keep listening, and, of course, keep assimilating. Bye. 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 Don't assimilate. We do not support (laughs) assimilation in this podcast. (laughs) Bye. 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 Bye.